The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubule Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Welcome to the show on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM, AM 760, and Hawaii Well, before we get into today's, today's topic, I want to make sure I start off the show reminding you and letting you guys know that, hey, if you can't, you know, escape from work a little bit for your lunch break, or if you want to take your lunch break and come watch some fun HPU men's basketball, they have a midday game today that is going to be at noon uh, at the Shark Tank. And then the women's basketball game will be at 2 o'clock p.m. versus Azusa Pacific. So it's a little uh, flip-flop for the game today because Jesse Nakanishi and his crew partnered with an elementary school to bus in about 400 kids. So if you want to come hang out with us and cheer on the Sharks, you can come over for lunchtime. Two elementary two schools, elementary I can school. actually even add. <laughs> it's the two programs that they've been working with quite a bit. Uh, programs, I say. Two schools they've been working with quite a bit as this year has gone on as part of their Shark Bite program, their Shark Bite mentorship program, where this has been in the works for months. Actually, Jesse Nakanishi, I believe, talked about it on men's basketball's first appearance on Sharks Weekly, which mm-hmm. you can go back and check out if you'd like on our website, hawaiisportsradio.com, or wherever you get most podcasts on demand. And it's going to be a super fun day, about 400 kids screaming their head off, midday game, like Jesse said, <laughs> uh, on Saturday, if you want to play hooky for a little bit, take a lunch break, come hang out, do it. There's going to be plenty of rooms still. And like Koo said, if you can't, which is perfectly okay, we're adults. That happens. <laughs> You can can listen listen. to us. And more specifically, myself and I believe Kyle Galdera will be there as well. Yeah. He's playing hooky from work, so you can too. Just kidding. (laughs) He went through the professional way and, of course, took off like he should. So, But yes, it'll be Paul Brecht and Kyle Galdera. If you can't uh, make it down to the Shark Tank, because I get it. Sometimes lunch breaks are only an hour and you want to be in and out. Uh, First game starts at noon. And I just realized I did have it flip-flopped on the grids because I know our Michael Lescaro sent us the graphic. And good thing I caught it before I posted that, oh, wait, the games are flip-flopped for today only. And that's why it's an early game, more so to accommodate the keiki that are going to come cheer on the Shark. So can't make it, 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock p.m. What? Or Hawaii, well, yeah, Hawaii Pacific <laughs> University men's and women's basketball against Azusa Pacific. And uh, towards the ending of the show, I'll have Paul, you know, give us a little preview of what we can expect with a couple of those matchups, as I know he was doing his prep late last night. But <laughs> first things first, want to get into some football news as it somewhat deals with the University of Hawaii football a team. Well, there's a bunch of stuff. So we will get to, I guess, the coaching things first. Actually, no. Scratch that. We are going to get to the thing that does deal directly with the University of Hawaii football program. Uh, Hawaii yesterday received a verbal commitment from KJ Hallams, 6'2", 280-pound offensive lineman out of Bishop Gorman, class of 2025. But 
in case that name sounds somewhat familiar and maybe you're thinking, yes, and you don't know, he is the son of former University of Hawaii basketball captain. And of course, nowadays you see or hear him on Spectrum Sports, Kavika Hallams. Uh, so congratulations to Veeks and the family, his son, and he posted on his social media that, hey, KJ made the decision all on his own to come back and play for the home state. And this is audio courtesy of Rob DeMello at KHON2 Sports of what KJ Hallams had to say about his decision. I kind of felt like there's a different energy that uh, UH had now. And it was it was almost like when I was watching them, it was almost like a like a charisma. Like it was something I wanted to be a, like a part of. and. I feel like I'll be happy doing it. Let's say I get butterflies when I talk about it a little bit. And um, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to play with a lot of pride. And now I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing. And uh, I have a more bigger sense of my path. The thing is, I was looking at UH's classes and I felt like it was the best um, choice because of the goals I have. I really resonated a lot with... Um, with uh, botany and I really wanted to be a part of that group that helps uh, restore native Hawaiian life. It's almost like a win-win for me. I could play for my um, my home, I can play for Hawaii, and I also can play to also better my education and strengthen my dreams. And that was KJ Hallams, uh, the audio courtesy of Rob DeMello and KHON2 Sports. Uh, so KJ Hallams gave his verbal commitment to the University of Hawaii football program. Again, 6'2", 280-pound offensive lineman out of Bishop Gorman, class of 2025. So got to wait another year or so to, to see him suit up for the Rainbow Warriors. But announcing his commitment early, once again, the son of Kavika Hallams, who you can probably watched at one point playing for the University of Hawaii, or you see him now on Spectrum Sports uh, being an analyst for basketball and football. Uh, but he posted uh, a photo, I guess, of him and his wife, like, I guess, like cheersing, looks like some delicious red wine that they par- are partaking in. Said, small celebration for Hawaii's latest football commit. Not too, not too many know how far you've come. This, again, was your decision. We thank all those who helped him get better and those who didn't believe he could as well. You know who you are. We know that <laughs> feeling, too. <laughs> Still, we cheer for you all. So, again, congratulations to that Hallam's family. And, I mean, that's exciting for, for any, you know, parent, especially if you're seeing your your son or daughter choose on their own to play for a university that you yourself played for and you yourself very much love. And he said it, it best, uh, KJ Hallams did in the beginning of that interview where the vibe is different. And that's what we've been harping on on this show that Timmy Chang and the the crew that he has right now, his coaching staff, like the vibe has been different. And were you almost like, I feel like it's more of the, like if you remain positive, some of the distractions and the uh, things that we don't have, like the stadium and, you know, all of these things, some of the better facilities compared to some of the other Mountain West schools, you don't really notice it as much because the vibes are so, like, different. I mean, we all know, like, we, we didn't come we come from much. Like, it's you can have all these nice things in the world and still, the like, not be in the best 
place and not have the good vibes. So I think that's a huge testament. And we've said it all the time on this show that that's how it is in the offices and everything and the program that there has been this different vibe. But it's nice to see someone, especially someone so young like KJ, just already feel like, yeah, it's different here because it is. It's we always talk about you're playing for a state. But we're not the ones that are in the locker room every day and having to go to work and go to practice all the time. So for those young men to feel that way, that's that's a huge thing. And I think that's what ultimately will continue to give Hawaii that advantage when it comes to recruiting and will ultimately lead us to those wins that we will get. It's just about being patient, but it'll come because we can clearly see these players, these top talent players with e- that are either from here or direct Hawaii ties. Again, he went off. He's playing at Bishop Gorman now, but coming back home, it's it's a huge deal. And I think that's, like I said, we always say the positive vibes only. The wins will come. We just have to believe and trust in Timmy Chang and his coaching staff, which I feel like most people are and have been, which is a good thing. But we just got to say it louder for the naysayers in the back in case there are still any left over. We're letting the naysayer know, Koo. It's um, it's very, very cool for us uh, here in Hawaii to continue to see the growth of this football program back up from in a really bad place. Um, obviously, the last two years, wins haven't necessarily been as many as the fans have wanted. But you could see the growth on the field, off the field, of the culture. And that's kind of where it all culminates together, where you get a really early verbal commitment from a quality, quality class of 2025 recruit. And like you said before, I understand that there are Hawaii ties and whatnot. And sometimes that plays a part into it. But also... Like you said, it's a testament to the culture that Timmy Chang, that this coaching staff, that truthfully that the players have helped cultivate over the past few seasons. And also, I don't want to leave out the fans as well. That's something that the end of season last year, the walk-off field goal to knock Colorado State out of bowl game contention, it was a magical, magical night in Manoa. More kids are going to want to be a part of that. And listen, they want to be a part of it just long enough until that stadium opens and then that magic moves up the road and then it's going to be in front of 25 30 40 50,000 screaming fans by 2028 and that's when things really take off but this is how you know the foundation is finally in place for Hawaii football where this is two years in a row now you've gotten a really early verbal commitment from your next year's recruiting class, from Bishop Gorman, the number one team, the number one program in football, high school football. Last year, Micah Alejado made his commitment exceptionally early as well. KJ talked a little bit about it, how he wants to be able to focus on his senior season prep and not have the distraction of all all the recruitment and all of the Mm -hmm. things that come along with it. That's exciting. This is a really exciting commitment for the University of Hawaii football program and just starts uh, or, or I guess continues the great momentum to that 2025 class. We've been so excited about this 2024 class that, I mean, we're almost forgetting we already have two, three commitments in this next cycle that have already come in verbally. So Yeah, and, and that's cool. the thing that I want to bring up about this year's class, though, is that when I looked at the Polynesian Bowl last year or last week, 
and you're just looking at it and there were two, four, six, seven players that are coming to the University of Hawaii where I feel like it was maybe like two years ago where it was maybe like one or something there weren't a lot it didn't feel like there were a lot of players that were coming over from the to the University of Hawaii that were playing in the Polynesian Bowl and we're talking it's top talent there I know for those of you that watched it our our guy Mike Aliotto hadn't thrown an interception all season and then throws one in like his first play and that that was picked off by the son of a former University of Hawaii football player so the irony like all of it tying together right up the road at Kamehameha schools but just looking at the list and you're like man this is such a good list of top recruits out of this state and that are coming to represent the University of Hawaii and as I mentioned Micah yes he's from Bishop Gorman but Technically, we'll, we'll claim we'll still claim in here for Hawaii, just like he's ever beach. just like Dylan Riola, even though, you know, Dylan Riola was over there playing in the uh, Polynesian Bowl. And hey, we, we can claim him, too. He's still Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Listen, claim him, too. Once you go to the mainland to get better, that doesn't hey, mean no. you're throwing away your Hawaii tie. When yeah, you come back from here, you're still our son. You, we still want to wrap our arms around you, even if you're leaving us alone. Oh, my goodness. So for anyone us. that went to the Polynesian Bowl or maybe even you did watch it. Uh, it doesn't look transition the same when you watch it though. But if you've seen photos, like Dylan Raiola is a beast. He's, he's like so he big, he dude. is he is a hundred percent like the top quarterback because he is just the way that he's built. I mean, his dad was a lineman, and he's yeah. big. they interviewed him and his dad, and I was like, they're like the same height and like kind of this. They're both. Like I feel like Dylan was almost as broad as his dad, and his dad still has some pretty good size on him. Dad, not a small guy. No, so I was like, dang, but this kid is a quarterback. Holy moly. <laughs> it's really exciting. I did want to touch on, you mentioned Micah Alejado and him throwing his first interception, first couple, actually, I think he had a couple of turnovers. Yeah. And honestly, I liked seeing that. Yeah. Just for a few reasons. One, I think it's good to fail a little bit. You know, after a year not throwing an interception, guess what? He threw one in an all-star game. Who cares? Yeah. That's good. That means he gets to learn. He saw this pace at which he's about to play for the next three, four, five years or whatever. He saw it right in front of him, and now he gets a full offseason to start to make those adjustments. I mean, we have football camp starting up next Monday. He's expected oh to be gosh. there. I know. I can't believe how quickly the time has gone. But he, he almost got a jump start to his college career in that sense. And that's why I find it like exciting and whatever. Because interceptions are going to happen. Turnovers are going to happen. It's just, I mean, goodness gracious. We saw Braden Shager throw plenty this year. And at the end of the day, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I would rather it happen when he's trying things. When he's going against the best of the best. Than when you see a, a game come September, come October... When he, he comes out and he, he's won a starting job or something, and then you're like, oh my God, this is a true freshman. <laughs> so I, that's why, because yeah. you and might that's have why seen he's me tweet That's why he's starting early, yeah. so he can go to, now he's giving himself a legit chance to compete for the starting job, because had he come in the fall, I mean, it's not even like, there's no chance that you're, you're going to pick up behind that, the eight ball. that playbook and everything like that, getting used to, to the speed of the game, but Coming in early, so we'll see him next week, Monday. All right, got to step aside. When we come back, we will tell you about some of the other big-time coaching news, uh, not necessarily in the Mountain West because we already told you about that last week that happened, but, or not Mountain West, University of Hawaii, coaching news in the Mountain West. When we come back on Wake Up in the Den. 
Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht, keeping with our trend of somewhat dealing with University of Hawaii football. A couple of coaching hires. I forgot to mention the first one yesterday. It came in over the weekend. Ken Neomatalolo is the new head coach for the San Jose State Spartans. So he is replacing, as we know, Brent Brennan, who went over to Arizona. That was part of the Nick Saban domino effect fall of all the coaches, college coaches moving around because Nick Saban decided to retire. And then we had Brent Brennan go to Arizona. And so that job was vacant. So Ken, the former Navy coach and the winningest coach actually at Navy and who spent some time at UCLA right before this, has taken over the San Jose State coaching job. So he is the new head coach. And but wait, there's more. But wait. (laughs) There's, there's more. There's more. So Ken Yomatalolo is the new Navy head coach. And then former University of Hawaii player and coach Craig Stutzman is now the San Jose State offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach. So he is coming over from Texas State where he has been the he was hired to be the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator in December of 2022. And he was coaching uh, under G.J. Kinney, who you guys know were, was here for a season under Todd Graham, uh, went to like UCF after and is now the head coach of Texas State. So that's where Craig Stutzman was uh, you know, after he spent time at Washington State and whatnot, following Coach Rolo from here. So that's where he is now. He was the offensive coordinator also at Utah Tech for the 2022 season. But coming over to Texas State, man, their offense was averaging over 400 yards per game, over 200 yards per game passing and about like over about 150 uh, yards rushing that they were averaging. So they had a very, very potent offense there at Texas State. So now you have two former players and coaches from the University of Hawaii that are teaming up in San Jose State. But the unfortunate thing for us UH football fans is that they will not play next season. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of the bummer that UH and San Jose State do not play as they are not in each other's rotation. Just to remind everyone, the Mountain West had gotten rid of the uh, Mountain and West division. So now it's everyone kind of will play each other in rotation with Hawaii, with each school's playing the same two schools uh, per year, us, our schools being San Diego State and UNLV. And next season, we are playing Boise State, Nevada, New Mexico, UNLV at home, Air Force, Fresno State, San Diego State, Utah State away. And then, of course, the addition of Washington State as part of that uh, Mountain West Pac-2 type of agreement. So we will not see San Jose State until 2025, which will be an away game, barring any changes, because we know that's bound to happen in this world of college football. So now the Dick Tomey Legacy Trophy <laughs> means even more. It's so crazy how this is just blending together with all the former players, coaches, 
and everything in the University of Hawaii. So Kenya Matalolo, new head coach, San Jose State. Craig Stutzman coming over and being the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at San Jose State. And I know Craig was a kind of a fan favorite to end up back here as the OC. But since, you know, we've since hired Dan Morrison to be the co-OC for UH. But man, it's crazy. Like everything coming full circle back in the Mountain West. I'm sure his family's happy that they moved that much closer to home and to the West Coast. So that probably had something to do with it as well. That, hey, now they're only like a direct five-hour flight-ish away from coming back home. And uh, yeah, (laughs) happy wife, happy life. (laughs) Happy wife, happy life indeed. Nearly 17% of all Mountain West football head coaches are former UH coaches. quarterbacks now so crazy <laughs> uh shout out steven sigh for that cute little uh tidbit but no it's uh i thought it was a good hire i thought it was oh, a back-to-back a hire. good hires for them where it's it's always tough when you le- lose a pillar of stability like brennan was there i mean he was what seven seasons with the spartans and i know that arizona fans were kind of up in he, like, arms winning seasons almost like every time or something like that. Here's the like thing. That. San Jose State football stunk. Like, let's just yeah, call a spade a spade. It, it was bad. It was not good football for a long time. Oh, yeah. They made three, I believe, three bowl games in his time there. He brought them back to relevance along with, obviously, Chevin Cordero doing a phenomenal job there. And, it, you know, it can be tough after you see a program that was so bad for a while get built up and then you get your coach poached. You know, this is a great hire, a good way to inspire some confidence from the fan base. You get a nice young offensive coordinator to bring some energy into the building as well. It's it's a good hire. And who knows, you know, maybe we'll be playing for the Dick Tomey trophy in the Mountain West championship game. Wouldn't that be interesting? I was going to say that was the last tidbit I was. I was like, oh, that's the last tidbit I thought I was. I forgot to say that they don't play each other next season until it's in the Mountain West yeah, Championship. Unless, unless Thanks it's for the reminding me, Paul. Mountain West title game. <laughs> so looking at San Jose State's football schedule, though, so they, um, they're non-conference. They do play Sacramento State, Kennesaw State. Did I say that right? Kennesaw? I think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Washington State. <laughs> it's not a it's not a Polynesian word, so <laughs> we don't care about saying it correctly. <laughs> I just... Eh. Uh, Washington State and Stanford is another one they play. And then looking at their Mountain West slate at home, uh, the Spartans will play Boise, Nevada, UNLV, and Wyoming. And then away they will play Air Force, Colorado State, Fresno State, and then Washington State, or excuse me, Oregon State as part of the Mountain West um, Pac-12 little scheduling agreement. But <laughs> Pac-12. Pack two scheduling twelve scheduling agreement. So that'll be that's going to be a fun thing to keep an eye out for. I mean, I think a lot of us Hawaii fans, including myself, will be paying very close attention to the San Jose State Spartans, even more so than ever, just because of the direct Hawaii ties to their coaching staff in very key roles. And I think that was I I do think it was interesting though that you know Coach Ken Yamatololo came back to being a head coach like it definitely I feel like it wasn't it couldn't have been necessarily for the money because I'm sure in his let's call it a front office role (laughs) for lack of a better term and at UCLA well I mean I'm pretty sure you got a good paycheck and a a nice little 
I, Happy life. So. I'm sure he was not <laughs> uncomfortable with the position he was in. But also, sometimes you want to bite off more than you were originally getting, or maybe he just got the itch. I mean, God, I know I make fun of my dad all the time because he's been telling me for the last 15 years he was going to retire from coaching. And every single time I tell him, no, you're not. You love it too much. And that's most coaches, they are obsessed with coaching. They are obsessed with working with young men and women and helping shape the next generation. And Coach Ken, uh, it wouldn't shock me if he kind of just got the itch all of a sudden once again. Plus, I mean, I don't know. Head coaching roles are hard to come by. And if you have even a, a slight hair of an urge to do it, you should at least try to do it. And, uh, well, San Jose State got a good one. I do think... I'm, I think the reason why I'm so interested to see this San Jose State Spartans team is because of the offenses that each coach has been known to run. Obviously, Craig Stutzman and being under Rolo for a significant amount of years, you know, they were run and shoot. And then you have Coach Ken, who was Navy's known for the triple option. And now are you going to get kind of like this blend? It'll be the very fascinating. Shoot. Yeah, it'll be. I saw a term that was thrown out there, and I, it's ex- escaping me right now. Hopefully, I can find it uh, during the break. But I think that's what's going to be the most fascinating thing to see with San Jose State now is what type of offense they're going to run. And at this point, I mean, Timmy Chang talks about it all the time, and we talk about it that he talks about going to the run and shoot, but at the same time. We see the tight end being a significant position in the offense that they run. So it's kind of a little sprinkle of something else. So I think that would that's what's going to be the interesting thing about San Jose State looking ahead to this season. And what we can keep an eye on is that type of offense that they're going to unveil, being that both coaches have completely different or are known for completely different offensive styles. And that's what I'm excited to see. And... I'm just excited for Craig Stutzman, too. Who knows? Maybe Ken wants to coach another five years and, hey. And retire. Craig, yeah, Craig will be ready for a head coaching job should he want it after this. You know? It's not so crazy at all. It'll be, it, he's a great recruiter, so I'm happy. I'm it's happy for that. battle, them. to be honest, especially today's That's NCAA. Why. He's a, to- he's a great a recruiter. recruiter he's a great guy. So it'll paramount. be fun to see. Although, you guys, I did recently show Paul the infamous punt into the stands that Craig Stutzman did. Yeah, and he's I want like, the Jets to sign him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I like this guy. <laughs> he should be wide receiver two for New York next year, <laughs> catching passes from eight. That was probably the highlight of everything. Like, uh, as good of a player he was, that was the best. That, that's like the that's, my dog that's the right play there. that I can remember is the punt into the stands by Craig Stutzman. Basically, like, yeah, I don't care that I'm getting kicked out of the game for this. Like, it's all good. <laughs> We're enjoying this. I was gonna say, I bet he enjoyed every moment of it. <laughs> All right, going to take a quick break. We will be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Ugbayani, your sunshine girl, alongside positive Paul Brecht. Here. There we go. 
that's our that's our that's our wake up in the den I'm persona. Here. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah. This is sunshine, sunshine in rainbow land here at Wake Up in the Den. Plus when I you mean, know you know if and when we do get angry about stuff, then we're serious. That's the big thing is like if we're upset about something, <laughs> you know something has gone off the rails at that point because we are patient. That's what I kind of tell the other half. And he knows by now we've been together for like 10 years, <laughs> been together for 10 years where it's like I really like we never fight. I never get <sighs> mad at anything, never really ask him to do anything. So it's like the rare occasions when I do get upset where I'm like, hey, I really want to do this. Like when we travel. I'm always like, ah, whatever, we could do whatever. And there might be like one thing and I'm like, all right, we really need to do this. Or we really need to eat here. It's my one request. Then he knows I'm serious or else like (laughs) (laughs) if I get angry, it's like, okay, she's going to get angry. (laughs) So it's serious. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I think that's better that way because you can't just get mad all the time. Then no one's ever going to. It's exhausting. Or exhausting. It's it's so exhausting. What am I doing? Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's kind of like the funny thing that that goes on. (laughs) um oh sorry anyways <laughs> sorry this is what happens that we're both i was like distracted by my text message that came in Anywho. well i saw something quickly and i was like is yeah. this relevant or not and i'm like mm, not right now well, i'm gonna <laughs> save it for later in the week yeah well i saw my text and it looks somewhat important but not something i have to answer right now so i didn't want to keep reading it because that would have been totally distracting <laughs> anywho all right so sunshine world here by the way guys. <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to uh. like kind of get I was thinking about this and I, and kind of seeing on social media even more because I know you posed the question yesterday, Paul, about the whole Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen dynamic thing. And then we kind of brought up Joe Burrow. And I was really starting to think about, like, why do I hate on Josh Allen so much? Like, I don't. But I was thinking back and I, I honestly believe that I I feel like the games that I because if you guys haven't realized by now, I'm all about the eye test. So I think I it's just because I've watched I probably were was watching like the games that were Josh Allen's bad games. <laughs> so it's like it's the games where he's thrown multiple interceptions, where he's not utilizing his legs. So all the majority of the games I've watched, I've seen more of him playing poorly than being this like incredibly dynamic quarterback that everyone keeps talking about. And like I don't understand. I mean like the guy makes bad decisions, like that's why every single game I watched, and with the exception of this past game against the Chiefs, where he actually did pray, play pretty well, the Bills games that I just happened to decide to watch or they show a lot on Red Zone or whatnot have been games where he's just had his very, very bad game. So I, and he doesn't stand out to me as like, okay, like Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes will win you games. And at the same time, I feel like Patrick Mahomes will never lose you games. That's why he's so elite and so great, because he just takes over the game and can find ways to win. And he does it like I don't want to say he does it all himself, because obviously it's still a team sport. And he has Travis Kelsey and whatnot. And he had Tyree Kill for a long time and his receivers whenever they decide to catch the ball. But he will rarely ever lose you games or the if he throws like if he does something poor it all you forget about it because everything else he did in the entire game was just amazing. Where Josh Allen, the games that I've watched have been games that he was responsible for the losses that have occurred. So I think that's what it is. Where and then on the flip side with Joe Burrow, the games I've watched of Joe Burrow when he was healthy, like I'm like, oh, this 
this guy's amazing. Like, I just love the way that Joe Burrow plays. So, and then statistically, <sighs> the guy throws a lot of, inter- Josh Allen does throw a lot of interceptions. And it's just, but I th- I was trying, because I couldn't wrap my head around it. Because all day yesterday, people are having, like, this, this discussion about doing those comparisons. And Patrick Mahomes, the guy that always keeps Josh Allen out of the, Super Bowl and yada yada yada. I'm like, I don't understand everyone's obsession with it. What am I not seeing? And I'm like, I can tell it's you probably because I'm seeing his bad game. Nope, it's because you watch Drew Brown outplay him here against <laughs> in college. Yeah, maybe the last time you saw Josh <laughs> Allen thing. in person or or in college was when he was at Wyoming, <laughs> and Wyoming won 28-21 in overtime in that game. But Josh Allen only threw for 92 yards. 9 of 19 in that game. Drew Brown threw for 280. <laughs> I mean, come on now. That's why. Let's be real. No, kidding, kidding, kidding. I've just, but I was sitting on that one kind of giggling about it. But no, I think that's fair in a lot of ways where Allen, I, early on I was very much so an Allen hater partially because of obviously being in the division and it was the Darnold versus Josh Allen thing. Josh mm-hmm. Allen exceptionally raw when he came out of college. This athlete, I mean, he's 6'5", 200 and whatever. He looks like Superman out oh, there yeah. at times. But it was like, he's got a rocket arm. It just happens to throw the ball right into the chest of exactly. you know other people or it, it overthrows. And he, to his credit, his development in the NFL has been incredible to watch. Yeah. He has been phenomenal and part of that. I mean, we've talked about our boy Bryant Debel, who was phenomenal in his development as well. Yeah. And, from there, that's where you saw Josh Allen take off as the MVP candidate. I think part of where I come in and my issue with it all is that for so long we talk about how important winning is, right? Mm-hmm. How important winning and getting to the big game, how important it is for quarterbacks to get to the Super Bowl, to get to conference championship games, to get over that hump, right? I, and it's that way in every sport. But to this point, Josh Allen has been an all-time great quarterback in terms of production Mm -hmm. but in terms of success he can be as great as he wants until he gets by Patrick Mahomes once it just won't matter he'll be the pretty great quarterback of this era not the superstar of this era the kind of similar and that's why I brought up the Peyton Manning Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers of it all, because we've seen this before in the league where there are <laughs> phenomenal quarterbacks. Yeah. And I mean phenomenal. Yeah. But. Rex Grossman, Super Bowl quarterback. Exactly. No. <laughs> kidding, people, kidding. <laughs> he did make it to the Super Bowl, though. He did. That's true. <laughs> but it's it's about the level of success you have once you get there, because a lot of people put up really big numbers. Josh Allen puts up really big numbers, but so does Patrick Mahomes every year. Jalen Hurts put up big numbers last year. You have Dak Prescott putting up massive numbers this year. Is Dak Prescott a top three quarterback in the league? I would say no. No, no way. But if you look at his numbers, you'd at least but have see, the argument. Dak Prescott is an example of what I was saying about Josh Allen, where he... Okay, sure, maybe he can win you games, but he can definitely lose you games. You know, like you don't see that stuff from a Patrick Mahomes or or a Joe Burrow or now this season, Lamar Jackson, who is playing out of his mind. Like these quarterbacks, these very elite quarterbacks at the top, top of the league, they can't lose you games where Dak Prescott, 
very much blew the, this playoffs for. And again, it is a team sport. I get it. But in hindsight, like a lot of blame can be put on like those interceptions. Like you just can't throw to the other team. I also think you hit it pretty spot on yesterday. I think part of it is the Tua of it all. Mm. I think part of it is that you have another quarterback in the same division who also is flawed. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's bad or mm-hmm. even not good or, you know, that he's incapable of being great. I mean, Tua for this year, I mean, God, for what, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, he was an MVP front runner or in the top two, top three conversation. I think part of it is that Tua's mistakes are blown up as well and you see that and it's similar where you see a guy who you know comes from Hawaii a guy who comes from you know he I know he went to Alabama and whatnot but like Josh Allen went to a Mountain West school Mm -hmm. why is he like is that now since he went to a Mountain West school now he gets a, a break once he gets to the NFL because you know oh yeah he makes mistakes but he went to a smaller conference school you know to a Tua went to Alabama, so he it's unacceptable for him to make mistakes. That could also be a part yeah. of it as well because it does feel like Josh Allen has, through the years, escaped some criticisms that he probably could have gotten. And this is all of this to say Josh Allen was not even close to the reason that the Bills lost this past yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah that's I why. Mean, I, I was would, like, with the exception of this past right. game, I'm like, you know what? That was a game where I was like, okay, Josh Allen played really well. The other games I've watched, I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's the inconsistency. Yeah. And especially this year, I think a lot of fans got frustrated with him because of the inconsistency through the year. I mean, they were 6 and 6 yeah. through 12 games. They were 6 and 6 had to make a change at the offensive coordinator position and at the end of the day, they make the divisional round. They end up losing on a heartbreaker wide right again. I mean, Bill, I feel for Bills fans in that sense where if I had to watch the most heartbreaking moment of my franchise's history, happen again um I don't know what I would do because the Bills and the Bills fans have watched a field goal miss wide right to lose a game before deja vu all over again something that they had the call going viral where he's Uh, like wide right again I like it truly would break my heart if I was a Bills fan but I'm not so I laughed at it it was very very funny yeah yeah exactly I'm like "Ah all right giggled at it actually as and it's weird right because as much as like maybe we're one year away from the Chiefs being like to the New England Patriots status where you're just like, all oh, right, enough already. You guys, can you just like be bad? Um, But and I think, too, it's because they were playing the Bills, which unless you're a Bills fan, I feel like you probably like the Chiefs more. At least that's in my case. Well, Paul, naturally, it's going to be in your case. But I, love the Chiefs. <laughs> I think they're wonderful. So either way. But then, yeah, you look at having to beat the best and we go back to someone like Joe Burrow who beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship so got over that hump please be please be healthy Joey B like come on I'm like singing your praises and I need you to stay healthy so you can prove to everyone that you're better than Josh Allen and you need to stay on the dang football field because the Bengals like they look so good when they're all healthy and they, they very even look much, good when they're not healthy yeah they very much can beat the Kansas. They could have definitely beat the Kansas City Chiefs this year had they remained all healthy. But if nonetheless, butts were candied nuts. Coo every day be Christmas. <laughs> I felt like I needed to kind of 
blurt all of that stuff out because it was <laughs> I was thinking about it more and more. Again, it was because I started seeing a lot of the comparisons on social media and still the whole Josh Allen praises. I'm like, why am I feel why do I feel like I'm the only one that's not like the Josh Allen train, but I know no. a lovely woman in my life who at least agrees with you. <laughs> you but that that's a good way to put it though, Paul, where it is the inconsistency is what I noticed. Bar, like taking this past game out of it because I do think Josh Allen played very, very well. But yes, being inconsistent and the extra hate that yeah, Tua gets, but yeah, Josh Allen can do no wrong. And it's like, what? I don't get it. Like, I think it's just natural. He for... makes the same amount of mistakes. It feels like that maybe Tua makes less mistakes than jo- I've seen Josh Allen make. And yet at right. the same time, it's like, no, Josh Allen, it's okay. Like he's so good because he can run. <laughs> it's it's a very nuanced conversation. Yeah. We understand that. I don't want the, yeah. that to fall on deaf ears to the beautiful people. But yeah. nonetheless, it is frustrating to see an inconsistency in analysis. Caleb Williams, baby. <laughs> I'm going to be so excited for draft week or Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know. Either way, uh, He's, Marv's a card. It'll be fine. But at least we have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Oh my gosh. I just, we, we talked about him yesterday though, but just incredible for that. I'm so excited for that guy. Like I almost, even though I have the 49ers winning, I don't know, both of, oh man, this is like the, the, heart I get it bowl like you're like oh I want this guy and then I kind of like want Brock Purdy to win because everyone hates on Brock Purdy because there's like oh he shouldn't even be there and blah 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 but I'm like I hate on Brock Purdy too put on Sam <laughs> oh yeah that's di- again let's, that's let's a go different to Sam story Darnold. <laughs> so oh my gosh just give Brock Purdy like hello they had this pretty much the same team and Jimmy Garoppolo and that didn't work out very well so give Brock yeah. Purdy some credit oh well and then know. then you have the Lions the lovable li- oh my gosh anyways I'm going to step aside. When we come back, we will wrap it up with some HPU basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani and DJ Pauly B. Let the beat drop. <laughs> I was like one of the first things you told me when uh, uh, you put me on the board. Like first week, you're just like, it's okay. You can you can wait yeah. with the music. Let, let, let the, the beat drop. Let the beat drop. I've let, let it drop ever yep. since. <laughs> it just adds to it. That's why. You gotta let the beat drop. They put the beat drop in songs for exactly. a reason. And I think, too, when I I think about our listeners, if there are some of our listeners that enjoy the music and maybe the change up in music that we do on this show as much as I do. And, you know, if, if there's a chance that we play a song that you really like and I'm the one listening, I would be so sad if they cut off the music before the beat drops because just this is what I like. So I'm like, I don't want to cut it off for any of the beautiful people that, you know, are like, oh, that was the, the right best way to part. Go you know, like. Why did you cut off the best part? Well, plus, we're dancing in here anyway. I want the best part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Getting to uh, some HPU basketball. Again, if you want to join us, we will be at the Shark Tank. Men's basketball game is at noon, and then the women's game follows at 2 o'clock p.m. against Azusa Pacific. If not, then you can turn on your radio at work or go to hawaiisportsradio.com to stream the audio of the game. 
And we're taking a look at the standings right now. So Hawaii Pacific, not too shabby. Five and three in conference. Azusa Pacific at four and five. However, when you take a look at the women's side, Azusa Pacific undefeated nine and zero in conference so far until today. And Hawaii Pacific at three and five. So uh, we'll start off with the women's game, Paul. Go ahead. What should we anticipate for this game? Even though, you know, Azusa is at the top of the PacWest Conference. Again, no blemishes on their record so far. Uh, Hawaii Pacific, though, I mean, they've ground grinded out a couple of games, had a good win, you know, last week against University of Hawaii Hilo, came up short against Chaminade, but nonetheless, they still look like a solid team that is figuring out its way as it goes under new head coach Ray Alvarado. Yeah, they're they're certainly figuring it out. A lot of young pieces, a lot of older pieces, a lot of pieces trying to figure out what their role has been all throughout the year. And it's starting to be that as they settle into the the middle of PacWest play. A tough one today coming in. Number 12, Azusa Pacific, who... <sighs> in a lot of ways is amongst the best teams HPU's women's basketball program will face this year. And the two programs have history, obviously. Azusa coming in off of a 90-55 to win versus Fresno Pacific this past Ooh. Thursday. Had Saturday off, so they're well-rested as well. Uh, and they come in, they have, f- pardon me, four, I believe, different uh, double-digit scorers. So a lot of mouths to feed offensively, but a lot of different places that the Cougars can go. So will be a tough one for HPU today. If I'm them, I look to really try and lock it down on the defensive end, muck things up. Megan Jones enters today just nine blocks away from the single-season HPU record set last year by Abby Spurgeon of 61. So Megan Jones well on her way to making Sharks history. Could make a pretty big dent in that going on today. Obviously, that game, second of the games today. Uh, when you look at some of first. their... I was just looking at their um, opponents that the Azusa Pacific women's team have faced so far. And one thing stood out to me, though, uh, hosted University of Hawaii Hilo and only won by seven. So if that's any indication, they beat Hawaii Hilo earlier in January, 68-61. However, when they did host Chaminade, who HPU had fell to last Thursday, they did have an easy win against Chaminade, 82-55. So it's interesting how, yeah, can, anything can happen, and the Sharks are at home. Well, it goes to what we, we saw this past Saturday as well with HPU, where they're coming off a brutal loss against Chaminade and an inspired effort at home against UH Hilo. And, I mean, you have somebody, the number 12 team in the nation coming on in, and we've seen these women already give a scare to a nationally ranked team in MSU Billings earlier this season mm-hmm. as well. So it's not like they haven't played good competition quite yet. So defense, very, very important today. Another storyline heading into this one. All-time series tied at 11 apiece. First matchup came in 2013. 11 and 11 all-time against APU. So whoever wins today will take the lead in the all-time series. So anything can happen. All right, switching over to the men's side. As you mentioned, Hawaii Pacific at fourth in the conference, sitting at five and three, and Azusa Pacific a few slots behind them, sitting at four and five 
in the conference, what can we expect from Jesse Nakanishi and his squad? This is going to be a really tough game. Coming into the year, Azusa Pacific was expected to be the top of the PacWest Conference, selected to be amongst the top. Obviously, HPU selected ninth. So both teams a little further away from where their preseason ranks were. Nonetheless, the Sharks not underestimating the Cougars coming on in today, despite APU being just 5-11 and 11 on their way in. And tell you what, going to be interesting to see Diggy Winbush just five points away from scoring 200 so far this season, would be the first junior college player in his debut year with the Sharks to score 200-plus points since 2018-19 when Ronald Blaine did it. HPU 7-16 all-time versus APU. They've played every year since 2013 except for 2021. Um, and today's going to be super fun. It's the Shark Bite program, mentor, or mentorship program, 400 kids in there, and it's a big-time game for the Sharks, man. They're trying to compete for the top of the West. You mentioned sitting at fourth right now, and any type of loss drops them down towards, like, sixth because it's mm. so tight. Any type of win really puts them into that top three conversation going into probably their biggest stretch coming with the West Coast trip in California. Yeah, and Azusa Pacific, one of the reasons why they were expected to finish uh, higher in the PacWest Conference this season is because last season they actually finished second uh, in the in conference at with only four losses in conference and right be- behind undefeated Point Loma last season. So make sure you guys either come join us at the Shark Tank or, again, hey, can listen in at work on the radio or at hawaiisportsradio.com. Men's basketball game up first at noon, followed by the women at 2 o'clock p.m. But it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll you, be a fun time. You got to come tune in or it'll be loud. come hang out. It's going to be loud. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And I can't wait to see you there. All right. So tune in. Uh, but we will talk to you guys tomorrow. For Paul Brecht, I'm Kutle Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.